This podcast is proud to be part of the TalkSport Fan Network. TalkSport. Powered by fans. And there it is. That's as good as it gets on this stage. Nissan Townstar EV strikes again. It's an unstoppable van. Unstoppable. Look, just fantastic. You can actually see the ProPilot technology in action. Effortless parallel parking. It moves with all the confidence that comes with a five-year warranty. And with a bench full of all-star van experts, there's real strength in depth here. That's all-star quality. Search Nissan Townstar EV and visit your local all-star van centre to see for yourself. Terms and conditions apply. Five years or 100,000 miles, whichever comes first. ProPilot is an advanced driver assist technology. Driver's responsibility to stay alert, drive safely and control vehicle at all times. Hey guys, quick thing. The TalkSport Fan Network is proudly supported by Mook Delivery, bringing you the food you love. Mook Delivery brings a top-tier lineup of food right to your door. No matter the result, you'll always be winning with Mook Delivery. So the only question left to say is, are you in? Order now on the McDonald's app and you can get reward points delivered too. So the ordering today means some tasty rewards for tomorrow. Only via app at participating restaurants. 18 plus, rewards registration required, points only on menu items, delivery fee and terms apply. See mcdonalds.com. Hello and welcome to the Guna Talk. Back again with you guys for another episode of our Raw Reaction series and specifically the Arsenal News Show joining you at 8am UK time. Hope you're doing good. Hope you're doing well. What a day yesterday turned out to be. Not only did Arsenal get that huge victory against Manchester United, but, but... Spurs lost uh, get lost uh, points in the race, of course, drawing against Brentford. Uh, oh, it's just so good. It feels so good when that happens. I mean, you know, there was so much, so much pain, so much frustration, so much anger. Um, and that's just for me uh, <laughs> in those three games against Palace, Brighton and Southampton. And after those three games, there was... Even though I'm sitting there and I'm saying that, you know, it's still in our hands. We can just win the rest of our games. You know, we can do this still. You know, the, the optimism was draining out of me. It really, really was. Um, but just just yesterday, that fight back, a little bit of luck going our way, which you need. And Brentford putting in a great performance. Thank you, Christian Eriksen, by the way. What um, <laughs> a great display from him again. I really, I was part of me that felt like maybe he shouldn't have started because it's clear, obviously, he's got that affiliation. But what an uber professional um christian erickson is because he was brilliant for brentford yesterday they should have won like they absolutely should have taken the chances that they were creating spurs i think had no shots on target the entire game or something like that i can't remember them having a shot on target uh kane went very close at the end with a very good effort but wow brilliant scenes anyway uh that's that's that i don't know why i didn't have the picture up the whole time i was talking about it but absolutely fantastic stuff let's uh Let's talk to you guys in the chat box uh, and see what you guys are saying. Good morning to Matt G. Morning, Gooners. It's a pretty decent weekend for us. It is indeed. Olu, good morning to you. Good morning to Steve. Good morning to Anthony. Thanks, mate. Really appreciate that. Young man. Wow. Oh, feels good. 27 years of age. Still a young man. <laughs> 20, I am 27. There's a moment when I'm like, you get to a certain age in your 20s and you start forgetting actually how old you are uh nick says hi everyone great watch uh, great to watch a game live at a reasonable time for australia still buzzing from last night i bet you was nick absolutely paul good morning to you tom jesus jesus 
uh, is pronounced the Portuguese way, not Jesus. Uh, Jesus uh, in the Spanish way. Thank you, Paul. You know, I'm always one for improving my pronunciation. So Jesus, I will ensure to say from now on. Thank you very much. Mark says, to be honest, I'd rather see us go for someone like Gnabry if we got the top four. Jesus, Je oh, I did it again. Jesus <laughs> isn't going to be an improvement on lack of... You watched the game yesterday, Mark. You watched the Man City game, did you? Because <laughs> I'll tell you, I mean, he just equaled Lacazette's total goal tally for the season in one game. It's just it's all I'm saying. It's all I'm saying. Uh, good morning to Julia. Good morning to Marcus. Good morning to Paul, to Daniel. Uh, Camferdi, good morning, guys. Half South Africa and Blackshine, good morning, guys. Uh, Manu, good morning. Clear away, Dave. Uh, Emily Phillip, good morning, everybody. Thank you so much uh, for joining us in the chat box today who else have we got in here i think i spotted a wild clive i did indeed good morning to you liam uh, and rancid ratha Aries and john good morning guys so many more of you too sorry i can't say morning to everybody but i hope you're doing well i hope you're enjoying the weekend i hope you're looking forward to the f1 a little bit later on as well and fingers crossed west ham can get a result against chelsea Anyway, we kick off, as I say, with the good news about Arsenal's situation where they are finding themselves two points clear of Tottenham in the race for top four. I was looking at the 5.38 predictions uh, that was updated yesterday. It's not been updated since the Spurs result. So I'll be looking to see the 5.38 prediction algorithms. But before... Tottenham played Brentford. Arsenal took the lead again in the algorithms race. 66% chance, it is now said, that Arsenal will get that top four spot. 34% Spurs. I imagine that may shift after they update it after the Brentford result. So I look forward to seeing that. Of course, Spurs now play some really interesting games. In fact, when you look at the fixtures, uh, the fixture league, uh, the fixture league, the fixtures that are coming up for both teams, it was absolutely said that Arsenal have the hardest fixtures when we were like looking at the, the games from Chelsea and Man United. Now Arsenal have beaten both of those teams. We play West Ham, we play Leeds, we then play Spurs, we play Newcastle and we play Everton. Now in my opinion, that's they're five winnable games. F without a shadow of a doubt, we can beat West Ham, we can definitely beat Leeds at home, we definitely can go to Spurs and beat them with the form that they've been in. And, you know, I'm expecting them to lose their next game against Liverpool and hopefully they can drop more points. Newcastle, in my opinion, is probably maybe even the toughest of the lot because they are so, so good at the moment. I think they've won their last, what, six out of seven games, something ridiculous like that. They've been really, really solid um, under Eddie Howe and the, Bruno Gimbalaj has been excellent. Uh, and then, of course, uh, you look at Spurs' fixtures and they go uh, in their next game to... Uh, let's go scroll down a little bit. They go to... Oh, they play Leicester at home. Leicester, of course, will have a Europa Conference game before that against Roma. So I would expect Tottenham to win that. They then play Liverpool and then they play us. It's great that they play Liverpool before us, um, the game before, because that would really interrupt their form even more. That'd be great. They then play Burnley, and Burnley looking much more improved. Um, they may be safe by that point. I hope not. I hope it does go down to the final game. Um, but uh, I say that, but then Everton will have something to fight for on the last day of the season. So maybe we don't, but it's a, it's a tricky one. Uh, we'll have to see what the points tally is showing at that point in time. Uh, and Norwich City, uh, on the last day, you'd expect Norwich to, to roll over, to be honest, because they'll be down, very, very down by the day that they play Spurs on the final game of the season. But let's wait and see what happens. It's, I wouldn't swap our fixtures. I'll tell you that for now. I would not be swapping our fixtures that remain in the season. 
Uh, first bit of main Arsenal news, though, really related to Arsenal, is that Hector Bellerin won the Copa del Rey with Real Betis last night. A really entertaining game, actually. Yaquin, 40-year-old Yaquin, lifting the trophy at the end, which is a great scene. And Bellerin actually got the assist um, to open the scoring, Borja Iglesias scoring the first goal um, with a really fantastic header uh, after a brilliant cross from Hector Bellerin. And another Arsenal player, or ex-Arsenal player involved, Yunus Musa of Valencia, missed the only penalty in the penalty shootout uh, to cost Valencia a chance of winning the trophy themselves. So Hector Bellerin, very, very good. Uh, and hopefully we can get a very decent fee for him in the summer. Yunus Musa, however, not so good uh, for him, although he has already permanently left the club by this point. Now, Borussia Mönchengladbach and Crystal Palace are said to have made offers for Eddie and Ketia. Uh, he's expected to leave at the end of the season with no news about him signing a new contract. The new contract has been on the table for some time, but he is not supposedly interested in signing that and will look to move on at the end of the season. Depending upon how the season ends, maybe something will happen towards the end of the season and change that. I doubt it, but we'll say. Um, and uh, I look forward to seeing what <laughs> what happens with this because I can imagine if there's any news dropping about him signing a new deal, the fan base will implode, uh, to be honest. <laughs> That's the way that we can see it going down. But uh, Gladbach and Palace said to be interested. Now, James Benj of CBS Sports reported yesterday that to get Victor Ozyman out of Napoli, they would be expecting a fee in the region of €80 million, Euros, which, to be honest is probably about right. Um, I wouldn't mind paying €80 million Euros for a player of Victor Osman's quality. That's about £66 million. Pounds. So he wouldn't overtake Nicolas Pepe as our record signing, but he would certainly overtake Lacazette and Aubameyang as our most expensive striker signing of all time. 23-year-old Nigerian striker. I look forward to doing a lot of tactical breakdowns after the season finishes and keeping you guys up to date of all the later and intrin- intrinsic, that's the word I wanted, details um, of these players. So... He is certainly going to be in focus. He could be the one that we're looking to sign. And speaking of the one that we are looking to sign, Edu did an interview yesterday that was very, very interesting. Speaking to ESPN Brazil, he says, The budget we used last summer, we prefer to use it to rebalance the squad. There was no point in hiring one or two players. And when he says this, these words, one or two players, he's talking about world-class top 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 players the squad was not prepared to absorb those two players we needed to rebalance the squad maybe next season we can go for one or two athletes the word athletes translated i think he's talking about you know those two big big players today we find a much more balanced cast our planning has already been done it has already reached the owners it's a matter of step by step how we are going to finish the season and put in plan the planning that i'm very Excited. Now, he went on to discuss this in a little bit more detail. Um, he said, uh, we're going to focus on signing one or two players after last summer's revolution. We need the next step. We've got our strategy ready. Uh, and then speaking afterwards, Raul Castello Branco, who was the guy that interviewed Ed, who cleared up some of the confusion around what he was saying about going for just one or two signings. He says, I don't think Edu meant there won't be more than two signings, but in this window, the focus will be bringing in one or two bigger signings compared to the last window where there was a focus on youth. These two main players have already been planned and approved by the owners. Um, so it's a really positive sign to see this planning taking place and this planning put into action. I agree with Ujao. I don't think it's a situation where he's talking about just signing two players. I don't think that's it. I think we're going to sign more than two players in the summer. But the focus will be on that huge 
marquee striker and the marquee midfielder. That's probably what we can expect. We know that we probably need two forwards. Do we include Cody Gakpo as a massive player? I don't think we include him in that bracket of the two big players because I think Cody Gakpo will be seen as, again, investing in youth. You look at how much we spent on Erdegaard, which is around £30 million. Pounds. We're going to have to spend upwards of £30 million pounds to get in Cody Gakpo. And you wouldn't have called Erdegaard the big, big marquee signing during the summer. So I think it's in that kind of bracket. I think when we talk about the big players, we're talking about your Victor Ozymens of this world. We're talking about a central midfielder that could take us to the next level. Perhaps a Yuri Tielemans, despite it not being that expensive. I think it is going to be a very exciting summer. Um, without <laughs> you know, tempting fate and using the word excited around this club. But I think that it could be a very, very interesting season. Uh, Gabriel Jesus, you can imagine, will probably be one of those. And very interestingly too, Edu actually asked the ESPN reporter not to ask him on Gabriel Jesus, uh, which, you know, obviously was the news dropped yesterday, uh, the day before yesterday from The Athletic about Gabriel Jesus and our interest in him. It's clear that we've had talks. It's clear that's been going on for a long, long time. But Edu does not want to discuss specific players because he's obviously still got his responsibilities to Manchester City. And he showed that with his four goals against Watford yesterday. I am really looking forward to what is going to be hopefully a very entertaining window. We're going to be producing transfer shows every single morning at 8am, keeping you up to date with everything that's going on. We'll be breaking down individual transfer targets with the help of footballing experts as we do every single summer. If you're new to the channel and you've only just joined us this season and you've never experienced the transfer window at TGT, the chat box will tell you that we go into depth about every single player. We speak to experts on every single player that we get linked to and break them down statistically and make comparisons as well between other transfer targets as well. Speaking of transfer targets, as I said before, Gabriel Jesus scoring four goals for Manchester City. They were all really fantastic finishes. Yes, some of them were certainly put on a plate for him. Kevin De Bruyne with a world-class cross for his second goal, but a really good header and showing that he's got that ability to finish in the air, which is also another positive for him. But lastly, uh, we're in a situation where we're seeing him take the ball and finish very calmly and expertly, finessing it round the goalkeeper. And that completes today's news. I can see a few people in the chat box asking about a Bakayo Saka injury update. Uh, we are unlikely to get an update on that until the press conference ahead of the West Ham game. Of course, we should see some pictures from training come out this week, which may give us some more insight. But right now, it is unknown how injured Bakayo Saka is. It was understood that he was carrying an injury into the game off the back of the Chelsea game, but he wanted to continue, which to me signals that hopefully it won't be too serious um, and that he was just coming off because he felt it. So let's see what happens let's go to your questions get them into the chat box we'll be back after this short break okay then let's jump into the chat and see what you guys have got for us um let's see some of the reaction as well in the chat box uh, from that chat about gabriel jesus ikao says edu is useless his only speciality is recruiting Brazilian players so he can take bribes. His knowledge of European market is poor. Ikao, I think that's incredibly wrong, firstly, and certainly not true um, in regards to his European market knowledge. I mean, you look at the way in which we sign players from Europe this season, they've had a positive impact on the club. So I think that your view of that is is very wrong. Ikao, I'm going to put that out there. Terence says, Tom, it, is go it was good for me uh, and my nan to meet you on Thursday at London Hippodrome. Terence, thank you so much for coming. Really appreciate um, your time. And uh, it was an absolute pleasure to meet everybody there. Uh, it was a great event. And uh, to be honest, when I look at what's available 
in the sphere of Arsenal content creation. You know, we had a great panel there that night. Uh, Kev, Sophie, Dan, Harry, Lee. It was a really good evening, really good chat. And I hope that we can do another live show uh, in the near future. That'd be fantastic. Uh, Paul says, will any summer signings impact the development of next crop of Hailenders who've been part of the first team squad? Um, I think that, I think there's a possibility. I think the right back scenario may be addressed. The left back scenario could be addressed, which will affect the likes of Brook Norton, Cuffey and Lino Souza. The midfields, Balogun. Yeah, I think that yeah, we're going to make signings. We know that. And it could affect the futures of some of the Halen graduates. If we didn't sign anyone, then it wouldn't. Because we are signing players, of course, there's going to be some impact on the Halenders. So we'll have to wait and see. Uh, Spooch, if you heard that uh, he was out for the season, that's not true. There's been no information coming out that he's out for the season at all. It could turn out that that is the case, but there's been no information at all publicly made about that or behind the scenes that we've heard either. So nothing on that at all. Uh, Nick says, hi, Tom. Is there any links to Calvin Phillips of Leeds? Would be a great defensive midfielder. No links to us, but Manchester United have been linked to him, as I believe have Chelsea. Number one lover says, I absolutely love the Jesus signing. The perfect striker for Arteta's tactics. Matt says, would you go for another left back and push Nuno forward further forward because he can't defend for Toffee. Um no, if we were going to replace if we were going to replace as a left back, we should just move him on if we don't think he's good enough defensively. He's still 22, he's going to improve. Uh there's plenty of fullbacks that do struggle in that area. He just needs to get better with that and going forwards there are certainly other parts of his game that need to get better as well. Uh Kip's cool. Uh, says uh hi Tom, I've been going on for some time uh, about this player from FCSB. Uh, Octavian Popescu. Apparently, there are some Premiership teams after him. He is some talent at 19. Come on, you Gooners. Uh, I know that you've mentioned him before uh, on the channel. I do remember you leaving a comment on about him. One to keep out for. Of course, we were linked to FCSB's... Uh, oh, what was it? Uh, Stoika. Janis Stoika, the Romanian striker. That link went away very, very quickly, despite the owner, uh, Gigi Bacali, saying that Arsenal were, had made an offer. That never actually came to anything. So we'll have to wait and see. Uh, Navarro says, Edu literally signed only one Brazilian player. Uh, yeah, um, slightly more. Willian, we obviously signed, and David Luiz, he was involved in uh, in that move as well. Although Raul said, yeah, he was obviously here at that time. But yeah, uh, <laughs> he's uh, it's very interesting because actually he's not done much in regards to the Brazilian league. Pablo Marie, I remember being brought in at the same time as well. But yeah, Edu's reach goes way further. I actually think that when people talk about Edu, Arteta's the one that actually deserves more of the criticism for January. He's the one that had more of the bigger say than Edu in the January transfer window. So people point a lot more at Edu than maybe they should do with Arteta, uh, strangely. Edu's kind of the big negotiator. He's the one who gets the main deals done. Arteta has much more say in regards to the actual targets that we go for. But... You know, uh, he's an easy target, I suppose, which gets brought up quite a lot. Um, Temi says, who is the marquee midfielder we can sign next season? Great question, Temi. I think that the marquee midfielder that you look for is someone that upgrades on Granite Xhaka, and that is a very difficult thing to do. People talk about Granite Xhaka being this and that and negative uh, about him, but actually he's been very, very good for us this season. Probably our best midfielder across the whole campaign. Part of his injury certainly contributing to that. Um, but yeah, Xhaka has been a real asset to this side and his form of late, again, proving that whoever we get has got to be better 
Tulemans hasn't been better than Xhaka. Ruben Neves hasn't been, hasn't been better than Xhaka. Fabian Ruiz has really dropped off in form of late, and you would have to argue that Xhaka's been performing better than him recently. It's going to show you how difficult it is to upgrade on Granite Xhaka in the summer. Uh, Langer says, hi, Tom. Uh, should Tommy Asu start the next game? Yes, please. Uh, absolutely. Uh, should be starting at right back over Cedric. Uh, Thracian says, Tom, do you think there will be two tiers of signings this summer, depending on Champions League qualification? Uh, yeah, I think the two tiers will change. I think we'll have our tier one signings, which if we get into the Champions League, could be two tier one signings. If we don't, it might drop to one tier one signing and then more from tier two. That's that's the way I see it. I still think you can get tier one players not being in the Champions League. It's just a lot harder. And so it's less frequent. Uh, Ronald says, what price would you pay for Jesus? He is on his last year of his contract. Yeah, 30 to 35 million, I think would be a fair price considering he's on the last year of his contract. Henrik says, if Arsenal gets Champions League, would Christian Eriksen on a free be a way to go? I know he's a former Tottenham fan of them, um, but couldn't you make him take the Gunners jersey? Look, I think it's a move that we need to do in terms of an experienced central midfielder. He played in central midfield yesterday. He's certainly playing slightly deeper than the number 10 role he used to play. And I like that. It means he could fit the number eight role quite nicely. Look, Christian Eriksen would add a lot of experience. I don't think it's realistic. I don't think he'd have any interest in joining Arsenal after playing for Spurs. Uh, so I don't think that we can make it happen. Shreya says, hi, Tom. Do you see us signing any free agents? I do, actually. I think that we may bring someone in who's on a free deal. Paolo Dybala is one of the big ones being suggested at the moment. He could be one. Arsenal certainly have an interest in Paolo Dybala and we'll be monitoring that situation. But it will depend on whether Arsenal qualify for the Champions League, whether or not they can compel uh, Dybala to make that switch but Arsenal and Tottenham are said to be the two main Premier League sides interested in him as long as uh, as well as Inter Milan from Serie A who certainly will be in the Champions League next season uh, Billy says would you rather sign a right or left back if we're to choose one to sign a left back uh, because I think that we've got Tomiyasu Cedric despite being awful yesterday has been okay and I think when you've got Tierney on the other side Cedric plays fine but when you've got Tavares and Cedric it's not a well-balanced fullback situation at all and we've got Brooke Norton Cuffey coming through, who I think is going to be absolutely brilliant. I mean, if you've watched any of the Lincoln games, which I know is difficult to do, but there's definitely highlights out there that you can watch. My goodness, this kid is something special. Really is something special. So there's a chance for us to have our own Trent Alexander-Arnold coming through the ranks, and I do not want to block that pathway. Ave says, would you take Jonathan David over Gakpo? Around the same price range and relatively more experienced. Gakpo would be slightly cheaper. David said to be about £45 million. Gakpo said to be between 35 and £40 million. Uh, but they're, they're different positions. I mean, David plays more centrally. Gakpo plays more to the left. Although I think that we could convert him into more of a central player. I would think that Gakpo would be the better option of the two. Um, his form's better. I mean, David's form's dropped off of late. I would lean towards Gakpo more. Sorry, Moss. I know that you're going to be listening intently and annoyingly, um, but I would lean towards Gakpo over the two of them. Um, thank you, everyone, that's tuning in. We're going to keep answering plenty more of your questions. Do throw more into the chat box. And there's over 600 of you watching. Thank you so much for joining me after yesterday's result. Really, really positive performance. I'm going to try and get a podcast for you out this evening as well with some guests. 
I look forward to that. Do drop a like on the video if you haven't done so already and subscribe if you are indeed new. Ave says, do you think we will need to add another centre-back given Marie will leave? You would hope that Saliba coming in would replace him, Ave. Um, he can play on the right-hand side or the left-hand side of the centre-back situation. He can use his left foot. He's right-footed, sure, but he can use his left foot fine. He's played on the left-hand side. He did it for six months at, uh, at Nice with uh, Jean-Claude Tadibo on the right-hand side of him. I think that's fine to replace Marie with Saliba. If holding goes, however, that's when you need to start thinking about it. We have got the likes of Rekic and Ballard coming through the youth team, but I think that's probably too soon for one of them two to make that step up. Um, so there you go. Uh, Spooch says, I was Arteta out, but I think I was wrong. Fair play for holding your hands up, Spooch. It does take a trick. I tell you what, it takes a lot of front to hold your hands up and turn around and say you're wrong. I do it all the time. We do it all the time on the channel. We get things wrong. It's part of being human. It's part of being opinionated on football. You get things wrong. You hold your hands up. You turn around and say, you know what? I'm changing my mind because the evidence presented towards me has made me change my mind. So, yeah, just, you know, not as much as Lee judges. <laughs> <laughs> but uh, but yeah, Paul says, uh, Arteta said in an interview that Saka has been struggling with an injury, but he decided to play him. He's managed the thigh injury all season. It's over a week between games, so it should be helpful. Absolutely. I think this week should be enough, hopefully, to give him uh, enough rest. Uh, African Theory TV says, Tom, name two midfielders you would prefer that we go for. Two of them. Uh, one of them is Gini Vijnaldum. I would love to see us bring in Gini Vijnaldum, bring in an experienced central midfield option for us, add that key crucial uh, kind of the Champions League quality as well but certainly a player that can add plenty of experience to the Arsenal team I don't know how much he would cost on PSG um, but he was open to leaving in January supposedly because of a lack of game time I don't know how much he's played actually since then but Ginny Van Alden would be one of the two the other one um, I would go for it's got to be someone really exciting quite young mid to early uh, early to mid 20s you know, Tielemans and Neves in their 24, they're up there, but I don't think they're an upgrade on Xhaka at the moment. It's really hard. It's really difficult. You know what I'm going to do before we obviously um, hit the transfer window opening is we're going to be doing our top 10s, our top 10 strikers, top 10 midfielders. It, there's a lot that needs to be discussed about who we could go for. Uh, I mean, someone like Tuchemeni would be great, but I don't think we're going to be able to go for him. I think Real Madrid or Chelsea will be able to get him. But someone of that level of quality and youthfulness and potential... That's the type of signing Arsenal need to be looking to make in midfield. That's what would take us to the next level. So, yeah, a Tuchemeni would be absolutely brilliant. It, it should have been Gimaraish, as Terence says. We should have signed him. We absolutely should have signed him. But we missed out, unfortunately. Let's go through a couple more of your questions. Uh, let's go to Gray, who says, Tom, see you on the Arsenal Lounge yesterday afternoon. Could you believe some of the negative fans are not perfect and made mistakes? But can you see the changes happening and the needs for chance. To be fair, I only tuned in at the end of the show. So I didn't get the context of any of the other conversation. I was just, <laughs> I was only making a couple of lighthearted comments in the chat box. Um, look, I think what, I think where Brandon and um, Richard were coming from were from a place where they want to see Arsenal succeeding, which I can't disagree with. I want to see Arsenal, you know, winning titles and competing in Champions Leagues. It's just my perception of where we're at is that it takes time. You know, I don't think a Conte comes into Arsenal this season and suddenly we're, you know, we're competing for a title next season. I don't think that happens. I think that we needed this this massive overhaul, which takes time. Do we have the right manager in charge? I hope so. I've seen I've seen evidence that we, we might do. I've not seen overriding evidence to convince me that he is definitely the right person for this job. If we're finishing the top four, I tell you there's a huge amount of evidence that he is. 
and then we'll look at the transfer window in the summer. But the January transfer window really hit my um, faith in that Arteta being the right person. Finishing eighth again last season really hit my faith that, that he is the right man. But we've seen a lot this season that's really turned it around. We saw a lot in the summer transfer window, although I wasn't entirely happy with it. We still didn't bring in that central midfielder that I thought we needed. And we're going to look at the summer window as a, as a big, big opportunity to get fans back on side again with what we do. So we'll wait and see. Uh, but look, the negativity is, is always going to it's always going to be there from some because the expectations are different across the fan base. Some fans want to see us challenging for a title next season and expect that from us because we're Arsenal Football Club. I understand where they're coming from. I don't agree with it, but I understand where they're coming from. I hold Arsenal to the same kind of standards. I want us to be competing for titles. I think we should be competing for titles as the club that we are, how rich we are with the owners that we've got, you know, with the players that hopefully we can get. But the squad situation is, is such a long-term thing to try and overhaul and change and add to it. And we've got a change of mentality issues that's been ingrained since the end of the Arsene Wenger era, going through the Unai Emery era, that's only festered and got worse. And I think that takes time to do. And I think that two, he's not had two full seasons, to be fair to Arteta. Yeah, I mean, this is at the end of the season will be his second full season in charge. The first season was a bit of a run-up and he still won an FA Cup. Last season was a disaster. I'm not going to beat around the bush. It was an absolute disaster. But I think mistakes were made. And I think we're learning from those mistakes, which you have to say that Wenger didn't do. And arguably, Emery wasn't able to recover from because he lost the dressing room. So that's where I'm kind of at, Gray. So whilst I understand the points of view that we saw yesterday, I don't align myself with them. And I think that, you know, I'm more patient about what we can expect and what we need to see. But there is still things that we need to see that we can back. If we finished outside the top six this season, there wouldn't be an excuse for it. None whatsoever. Uh, let's go to Jeremy. Sorry, I'm, my hay fever's kicking in madly. I'm trying to mute the mic. <laughs> uh, Jeremy says, what is uh, with the Jesus slander? I feel since he's surrounded by such elite talent, some of our fans don't realise he's also world-class. Link up, play off the ball movement, pressing machine. Go get him. Um, Jeremy, you're spot on. In fact, uh, I did. I put a tweet up yesterday. Uh, you may or may not have seen this, but I broke down some of uh, Jesus's numbers uh, specifically looking into his XG across the seasons. I'll share this screen with you so you can see it because it's it's quite good. Um, just to blow my own trumpet ever so slightly. There we go. So XG across all of the seasons that we've had, um, uh, we've we've seen Gabriel Jesus in the, in the Premier League. You know, in 16-17, XG 5.37, scored seven goals. XA, one, that's expected assists, uh, 1.36, got four assists, outperformed both in that first season. The second season, 17-18, just slightly underperformed performed his XG, 13 and 13.86 XG. Assists, three, XA, 2.24. 18-19, uh, again, just slightly under his expected goals, 7.68 XG, seven goals. Uh, again, outperformed his XA, 2.01, three assists. Um, and then 1920 was a little was was under par from what you'd expect from him from a, a goal scoring standpoint. 20.13 xG scored 14 goals, so six goals less than he was expected to. XA um, for uh, that season though he still outperformed it. Got three assists. He was unexpected to get 1.9. Last season again about what you'd expect. xG 9.04 scored nine goals. These are Premier League stats by the way. Um, and XA 3.64 and assists just three. By the way, this is from Scout, and Scout calculate their assists slightly differently. So actually on this, I think it only comes up with him saying he's 23 assists for Man City. But when you look on Transfermarkt, they calculate his assists at 31. Sometimes different 
accounts, different, sorry, um, stats databases use different formula to calculate whether something is an assist. Sometimes people count rebounds. Sometimes people count like shots being deflected and going back to another player. It's sometimes people count penalties being conceded, you know, these types of things. Others don't. So 31 assists in that time is, is a really good turnout. This season, so far before yesterday's game, he had an XG of 7.73 and had only scored three goals. Um, so really underperforming. However, yesterday's game, he scored four. So I'm actually quite interested to see if that's changed uh, since that point. We'll go on to Wirescout and have a quick look to see if his XG for this Premier League season has changed and the number of goals, of course, in which he scored has also changed. If we have a look at 19... Sorry, 2021 and Premier League, we should be able to have a look at that XG. His XG this season has gone to 9.58 and he's got seven goals. So he's only just under that three, whereas before he was over four. Seven assists as well uh, from an XA of... Let's go to the passing... um, 4.43 4.43 and he's got seven assists so it shows you how much and i didn't count the assists from yesterday you got an assist yesterday for some reason it's not added it onto this chart either so it tells you how different y scout can be from the likes of transfer marts jesus is a fantastic player and i think that he would offer a hell of a lot to arsenal if we were to sign him especially for the money that we can sign him for so let's wait and see what happens um, Drew says, speaking of XG, doesn't each goal have its own XG? Shouldn't we factor in the stat of how many uh, Jesus goals have gone in with a lesser XG? Yeah, so if you don't know what expected goals is, and to be honest, I'm not surprised because it's a very difficult metric to understand. Effectively, imagine, take yesterday's game against Man United, the goal that Tavares scored. Really, it's not basically an open goal for him, very close to the net. The XG for that would have been very close to one because a one XG is basically the ball being on the goal line and you just having to tap it in. You're expected to score that. A goal of of 100% XG, one XG. Um, It would have been very close to one because the goal was open. The goalkeeper was getting nowhere near it. No one was pressuring him. Yeah, it was coming at him. It was on a bounce. That may lower the XG because it's a slightly harder chance when you're hitting it on a bounce and that calculates it in. But then say the Granit Xhaka chance from outside the box, that would have been a very low XG. Probably like 0.03, some really that low. It's because they're really, it's really unlikely when you take a shot from that far out that they're going to go in. Either the keeper's going to save it, they're going to get blocked, or they're just going to go wide. So that would have had a really low XG. So Xhaka would have massively outperformed his XG from yesterday's game because of scoring that goal from long range. So that kind of hopefully tells you what XG is. So if Gabriel Jesus has got an XG this season of um, nine, sorry, on the total, 9.58. That's basically saying that of all of the shots he's taken this season, he is expected to have scored 9.58 goals, which I know isn't a a roundabout number of goals, but that's the total XG across all of his uh, shots he's had this season. He scored seven. So he's underperformed in terms of the shots that he scored. So he's missed shots that he should have scored, uh, according to this by about 2.58 goals this year. But, across an entire season and across his entire career at Manchester City, only two seasons being this one and I think it was, what, 18-19, had he really underperformed his XG. Most years, he's pretty spot on with what he's expected to score. And you also have to factor in that he plays like left wing, right wing, second striker. So, yeah, it's very low. Was Xhaka's... Okay, there you go. I was pretty close. 0.02, says Billy, was Xhaka's goal yesterday. It would have been very, very low. So, um, yeah. 
there you go. I was pretty spot on with that. Um, I hope that explains what XG is for those that didn't really understand uh, what it is. Assad said, I made my first live show for the first time and Assad's going to sit through me explaining what XG is <laughs> to people. Cubic uh, says, hello, Tom. A bit late to the show. Do you think we'll, we can sign all of Jesus, Gakpo, Ozemen, and or Nunez in the upcoming transfer window? I think we'll get two forwards, definitely. I'm pretty sure we're going to get two forwards and that counts those wide players as well. So I'd be hopeful that we can get uh, two of those three. Uh, Gakpo and Jesus, I think, would be a good pair. If you can add one of Ozzyman or Nunez to that, amazing. Amazing stuff. Uh, no poll today, Paul. Uh, nothing's really spawned in my mind about what we should do, and we're going to be wrapping up soon. Uh, Marcus says, we put so many high balls into the box, so uh, which striker do we sign to convert them? Tony was great in the air against Spurs. Shame to hit the woodwork. Uh, got in, or, yeah, I know it's a shame. It really was. He could have put them, should have put them away. Actually, to be fair, I think the second one, right towards the end, is a bad miss. Actually, I think he should score that. But uh, when you consider the fact that Arsenal need someone like that, Tony's a good option. I always look at Patrick Schick as another option. Darwin Nunez is good in the air as well. There are players out there that we could sign. Um, so we'll have to see. John says, what's the XG for a Nuno shot that bounces off Harry Kane's chin, ricochets off Son and goes between Hugo Lloris's legs? Um, it doesn't actually take into account stuff like that, John. <laughs> the only thing it takes into account, as far as I'm aware, unless they're changing XG because they, they try and improve it all the time, is where the player is when he takes the shot. What, how fast the ball is coming at the player, whether it's stationary, whether it's moving towards them, whether it's bouncing, the position of the goalkeeper, the angle of the shot, the number of defenders that are around you when you take the shot, um, the pressure that you're under, I, all of those things are taken into account to come up with an algorithm how difficult of a chance is. So, yeah, it doesn't take into like rebounds and stuff like that. But uh, probably if Nuno's shot was as close as it was yesterday and still managed to do all that, it would still have the same XG as it did in yesterday's game without any of that happening. So, again, hope that clears a little bit of that up for you. Uh, Schrodinger's cat flaps is looking at the last two games. Did we take the previous three too lightly? No, I don't think we took them lightly. I think we were poor. I don't think there's anything to do with us taking them lightly. I also think that we were unlucky against Brighton. The goal for Martinelli should have stood. It wasn't a clear and obvious error, and you couldn't calculate accurately where Kukurea's foot was. We should have gone into the halftime with a 1-1, and that would have changed the game entirely. I also think that we had to react from losing Kieran Tierney, Thomas Partey, and Tommy Asu already being out in those games. But most importantly, we could have tackled those games better if we had have signed a striker in January. I'll always look back on that January as a failure and a criticism without a shadow of a doubt. But, you know, we had to react to Brighton without Partey and Tierney was out for the Palace game. We've had to react and change everything about what we were playing. So I'm not surprised we dropped points. You can't win every single game. Now we've reacted the way that we've reacted. And, you know, the decisions that have been made by Arteta in the last two games have been absolutely spot on. So I can't fault them at all and I'm looking forward to seeing what happens in the, the last five games of the Premier League season um, Madupa have you been blocked no you've not been blocked why would you have been blocked <laughs> there's a lot of people at the comments section I can't read everyone's comments JDB says Tom if Nuno comes up against Emerson Royale who would be the less chaotic and be better Nuno probably will come up against uh, Emerson Royale uh, that's actually a battle that we might see um, <laughs> I was watching uh I was watching a video the other day of someone playing, I think it was CSGO, and like it was just two people awful at the game, meeting and just shooting each other and missing all of their shots in the game. 
And I think the words that they used were, it's when two noobs collide. <laughs> I can imagine that's probably what's going to happen uh, between Tavares and Emerson. It's going to be two um, chaotic individuals who, you know, have got a lot of flaws in their game and are pretty new to things, or noobs, as they're described in the gaming world. Um, <laughs> that's, that's the way I could see it. So there you go. It's like the Spider-Man meme, says Daniel Robert. Yeah, absolutely. Uh, Zana says, uh, our saving grace this season is we do not draw many games, so the losses are not damaging. Still damaging, but I understand where you're coming from, Zander. Uh Paul says, when we play Spurs next season, who will their manager be if we get fourth spot? I can't see him sticking around. No, I think that Conte could even go to PSG from some of the interesting reports that came out a couple of days ago. I hope that's the case. I hope that's what happens. We'll have to wait and see. Um, John says, if we sign Nuno, uh, oh, sorry, if we if Nuno goes up against Everton, that's fourth sign of the apocalypse. Uh, Marcus says, Eddie looks good again. Still think he will go. Uh, he will get more game time, and we're back in Europe. He did look okay. It wasn't as good as the Chelsea game. He missed a massive chance. Like I said this in the reaction show yesterday. If we have a if we have like that world class forwards, they score the chance that Eddie and Ketia hit. David De Gea with and we're 2 new up and we're probably more comfortable and we've got a lot more positivity about our play um, and that's the difference that's the difference between a top class striker and a world class striker and Eddie Nketiah I don't really want to label Eddie Nketiah with anything because it's very difficult to do that because I don't think he's been given enough opportunities consecutively and su- successfully so yeah I think there's a big difference between Eddie Nketiah and players like that that would finish that chance they would bury it in the bottom left hand corner not smash it uh, at it. Uh, Jabu says, have you noticed how many times our midfielders miss Martinelli's runs? I saw that at least twice. It happens all the time, Jabu. Odegaard is one of the only players that we've had join us in the last 10 years, other than Ozil, of course, that genuinely spots so many of the runs that they make. The pass he made uh, for Saka yesterday, I think it was, and Nketiah, to be fair, for his chance. Look, he's so good at seeing those runs but we don't have enough players that have that vision in the team. You'd hope that Smith Rowe could add that to his game. You'd hope that Saka could add that. And Saka does find players really nicely sometimes, but Odegaard is one of few players that we have that can spot some of the runs that get made. But yeah, you're spot on. We need to find those a lot more. Um, Convert Tavares to the transfer sheet, says Jay. Uh, Madhuva says, Tom, do you believe Xhaka will be Arteta's main man next season, especially the way that he speaks about him? I don't think Xhaka's going anywhere. I don't know if you, if you call him the main man, but I don't think Xhaka will go anywhere next season. Um, Billy says, Gnabry wants to move to central position. Should we consider him for one of the striker positions? If we can sign Gnabry, it'd be an absolutely brilliant move for us. I would absolutely be up for that. I don't know if it works centrally, but I absolutely would see him. If we move on Nicolas Pepe, which is a big question, we don't know what's going to happen with him. I think he should. Not because I don't think he's good enough, because I think if he was playing week in, week out, maybe we'd see more. But just for his own sake, he needs to move. He needs to move on from Arsenal to get a better, more consistent game time somewhere. And he knows that. Um, he didn't come on at all. And don't think did he come on against Chelsea? I don't think he did. He's not played in the last two games. He needs to move on for his own career. Um, do I see Laka getting a new contract? No, I don't. Not at all. Alex says, if Saliba comes back to Arsenal, why doesn't Arteta want to play him? We don't know. We're going to have to wait and see. Uh, we don't know if he if he will play him, if he'll use him, if he'll integrate him. It's one for the summer. I hope he does. I hope he brings him back. If he doesn't and he sells him, I think it'll be a massive, massive mistake. We'll have to wait and see. Maximia says, Tom, what's the news on Darwin Nunez? Uh, he has changed his agent since January. Do you think that we have any chance of getting him? Yeah, we have a chance if we qualify for the Champions League. I don't know if he's at the top of our list. I don't think he's at the top of our list. To be honest, I think that Victor Ozymen is, is certainly higher than Darwin Nunez on the list of targets that we've got. 
And Gabriel Jesus is clearly higher than Darwin Nunez on the list of targets that we've got. So I think that he's probably slightly further down uh, the pecking order. Jeremy says, seeing the lack of support behind Tavares is really disheartening. He's 22 years of age, very young, raw, and is a very good signing going forward. A very good going forward, sorry. Under Arteta's tutelage, he has potential to become a beast. I think there's a lot of characteristics about him physically that we've lacked in a fullback. So I again, I'd keep him. I have no issue keeping him. We need Tierney to come back stronger and we'll have to see how long he's going to be out for. I hope it's going to be back for the start of next season. We'll have to wait and see. Tim says, are you, as a content creator and journalist, wary of praising Arteta too much, even after two big wins? Seeing the online backlash after three losses and the abuse supportive people have faced. Look, we've talked about this before. Me and Harry Simeon in particular faced a ridiculous amount of abuse in comment sections and live chats when we go on other channels and Harry in his own chat box because he's not as strict as me with the comment, the comment section. Um, and that's nothing wrong with that. You can run your channel however you like. I just think that it's not about being too supportive of Arteta. It's about being objective, Tim. I feel like the one thing that we get on, we do on this channel is that we're grounded, we're objective. We we praise when things go well and we criticise when things don't go well because that's what you do. Supporting Arsenal is always the primary. Arsenal is always the number one focus of where my mind's at. I don't care who the manager is ultimately as long as Arsenal are succeeding. However, what I'll do is, is I'll analyse the current coach and believe and say what I think about the current coach, about where they're at. But no one's bigger than Arsenal. I want Arteta to succeed because that means that Arsenal succeed. And if you're an Arsenal fan, that's what you should want too. Because being an Arsenal fan, the primary is wanting Arsenal to succeed. So if Arteta succeeds, Arsenal succeeds. It's as simple as that. I've been in situations where I've thought a change of coach would be for the better. You guys listening that have been watching for a fair amount of time will know that. I wanted a change after the Manchester City 5-0. I wanted a change after the Villarreal game. Because I thought in those moments a change of coach was for the benefit of the club. We didn't change, which I thought at the time was not the right move. We've stuck with Arteta. And he's proven this season that it was the right choice to do that. I didn't expect us to be in a top four race at all. Not at all. I thought we'd be fighting to stay in the top or get into the top six, to be honest. I thought West Ham, Spurs, Man United. I thought Leicester would be better this season as well. I thought we really would be in a top six battle. But we're in a top four race because of decisions that have been made in the market and because of the way in which we've improved the way that we want to play and got the best from a lot of the players in the team. We've transformed the goal-scoring abilities of Smith-Rowe and, and Bakayo Saka. He's put faith in a player like Eddie Nketiah in a really difficult choice of game against Chelsea. It paid off. You know, he brought El Nenny back into the side more recently. That's paying off. He stuck with Cedric at right back in the in the wake of Tomiyasu, and Cedric paid him back during those games. Only when Tierney did fall away that we lost that balance. And I think that's one of the big reasons. He brought in Ben White, and I think Ben White's been fantastic. I think there's a lot of Arteta critics that like to bash Ben White because, you know, we could have kept Saliba and, and not signed White. But I think we're going to benefit from White, Gabriel, and Saliba, I hope, coming back in the summer. Saliba's kind of one of the final posts of criticism that Arteta's got to overcome. If we if we get rid of Saliba, Saliba will become a martyr. He'll become a martyr for Arteta's biggest critics. I have no doubt about that. But if he stays, and if Saliba is integrated into the team, then there can be no debate about whether or not we made the right choices with Saliba in the last 18 months plus. Because in my opinion, we have managed him correctly in the last 18 months. We didn't in the summer of 2020. We made mistakes. We should have got him out on loan. We should have sent him somewhere. 
If you want to use him, you shouldn't have integrated him to the team, or at least you should have registered him for the Europa League and the Premier League. We didn't do that, and we absolutely should have done. But beyond that, 2021 January, Nice, six months, great decision. Marseille for a year, great decision. He's been excellent. He's developed. He's improved. He'll hopefully come back and we'll integrate him. But if he moves on, you know, we'll have to wait and see what happens. Um, we're going to wrap things up there. I think that's probably a nice place to finish. Uh, there's going to be a podcast this evening, fingers crossed, for you guys to tune in for as well. Thank you to the nearly over 800 of you. I appreciate that it's a Sunday, and Sundays usually are our lowest viewing figures for a morning show because it's Sunday. So I know a lot of you guys like to sleep in, but uh, thank you for tuning in. Really appreciate the continued support. You're absolute legends. Do drop a like on the video if you've enjoyed the show. I hope you sincerely have. Hopefully there'll be some more shows for you in the week. There definitely will be. We'll be doing these 8 a.m. shows all the time. The lounge will be live on Monday evening as well. I'll be joining Shaheen, Lev and Mo to talk more about yesterday's game. There may be a pod even on Lee Judges TV tonight. We're not sure yet um, because I know that Dan's away. Uh, We're waiting on judges to let us know. To be fair, though, when does judges turn up to Lee Judges TV? That's the question. (laughs) We will see you a little bit later on today and look forward to having a chat more about Arsenal in the near future. Let's get behind West Ham today, guys. We need them to beat Chelsea. Could really do with that result. And uh, the F1 as well. I hope you enjoy that if you're tuning in to watch that as well. And also, big congratulations to Tyson Fury last night. Really fantastic fight and uh, a great winning blow. And if that is the end of his career, what a career he has had. Um, thank you for tuning in, everybody. We will see you again very, very soon. And as always, up the Arsenal. It's the 90-plus minute. All your mates are out, and you've got a McNuggets share box ready to go, and you know a late winner's coming. Your mates already got booked for a double dipping, and you steal the last nugget, snatching all three points. Perfection. Order now on the McDonald's app for your McDelivery. You in? At participating restaurants, 18 plus, serving times, delivery fee and terms apply. See mcdonalds.com. And there it is. That's as good as it gets on this stage. Nissan Townstar EV strikes again. It's an unstoppable van. Unstoppable. Look, just fantastic. You can actually see the ProPilot technology in action. Effortless parallel parking. It moves with all the confidence that comes with a five-year warranty. And with a bench full of all-star van experts, there's real strength in depth here. That's all-star quality. Search Nissan Townstar EV and visit your local all-star van centre to see for yourself. Terms and conditions apply. Five years or 100,000 miles, whichever comes first. ProPilot is an advanced driver assist technology. Driver's responsibility to stay alert, drive safely, and control vehicle at all times. This podcast is proud to be part of the TalkSport Fan Network. TalkSport. Powered by fans.